Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, the GigaCity company, a philanthropic community partner since 1922 and proud supporter of numerous community organizations. More information at smithville.com. And School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with Sarah Whitmire, News Bureau Chief for WFIU and WTIU. And today on our program, members of the Indiana Muslim community will discuss Ramadan and its importance to the Islamic faith and how it is celebrated. We have three guests with us. Two are joining us here in the studio. Maha Nur al-Din is, is an activist for the Open Hearted Campaign in Bloomington here in town. Uh, Habiba Ali is joining us from Indianapolis. She's Interim Secretary General of the Islamic Society of North America, which is located in Plainfield, Indiana. And Yassine Ramazan is General Secretary of the Islamic Center of Bloomington. If you want to join us on the program, you can give us a call at 812-855-0811 here in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. And you can join us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Welcome to all of you. Thanks for being here with us today. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Sure. Now, which, okay, so which one of you wants to give us sort of the, the short, the overview of what Ramadan is? And, uh, Maha? Intensification. Intensification of spirituality, of um, self-awareness, mm -hmm. of God consciousness, of community, of an inward reflexive journey mm -hmm. for a whole month. A whole month. Yes, uh -huh. that the, the teaches reorientation of one's life. Okay, and what what are some of the things that you do? I know you don't eat during the day, correct? You, yeah. Okay. So we don't eat. Um, well, there, there. It's it's not about eating though. Like, like right. it might be um, the um, primary way of worshiping God, but it's not the only thing. Like you are not supposed to. Uh, um, have a um, offensive talk or just um, keep your anger down and um, no um, sexual interactions and um, try to uh, give like uh, think about like things that you you usually don't think during the day mm -hmm. so it's a very peaceful time yeah it's supposed to be that way <laughs> I mean is is there more prayer during Ramadan when you're thinking, I guess I'm just thinking a more peaceful time and a more reflective time, and is that part of it? Oh, uh, um, yes. Uh, there are like um, a community prayers, uh, especially during night. Um, it takes about an hour. Um, it's not um, like um, we, you don't have to go, but it's uh, recommended. But uh, being together in the community centers, um, Ha gives you this feeling of um, of um, praying together in front of God. So, Yasin, I wanted to, to bring you on and ask you, uh, in a little more general sense, about the Islamic Society of North America. I think it's a it's been a curiosity to some people how it wound up in in Plainfield, Indiana. For Habiba, for Habiba, oh, Habiba. I'm yes. sorry. Yeah, actually, yes. Um, the organization is actually 54 years old. It was started in 1963, and at that time it was um, the Muslim Students Association, and the first formal meeting was on um, Urbana-Champaign in Illinois. And there were um, many Muslim students here in the upper, in the Midwest, um, from Indiana, um, from Bloomington, Indianapolis, um, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, in this uh, area, and as well as around the country, and uh, many of them were international students, not all, and they were wanting to um, form um, an organization where they would come together uh, as support for each other, you know, um, not just for fellowship, 
um, but also for social activities, you know, for then maybe some seminars, educational things, just as a support for each other. And then they formally organized in 1963. Um, later, uh, they did have um, an office in Gary, Indiana. Then later they moved to Indianapolis. And here it's kind of centrally located around, you know, between Illinois and here in the um, upper Midwest. Mm-hmm. How, how then is it? in 1981, they, um, there was a restructuring um, because many of these... Um, pioneers and founders were no longer the students. Maybe they were the professors on the campus instead, or, you know, they were now in their professional careers and establishing families and communities. There was a restructuring, and the Islamic Society then became the umbrella organization, and the university wing, the Muslim Students Association, which has many chapters all around the country, well, U.S. and Canada, actually, they came under this umbrella with other professional organizations at that time. Um, and so then um, at the time, the property here in Plainfield, which is just west, immediately west of Indianapolis, became available. So then, um, then the property was here and um, offices established here. So how how large is the center, and how how widespread? I mean, where do people come from all over the Midwest, all over the country? Well, well we serve two purposes. We are the headquarters of this national organization, mm-hmm. so you know half of the building is offices, and then the other half is a mosque, like any community mosque or a community church. And so the local people will come for services and prayers, and we have you know, weddings and, and community dinners, just like any other uh, worship center. Mm-hmm. So um, back in 19—I moved to Indianapolis in 1983, and at that time there were just maybe two or three mosques. Now today we have more than 12 in the Indianapolis area. So the community is growing, and as it grows, then people uh, are able to establish a mosque in their community or in their neighborhood instead of driving across town, you know, so, um, uh, but we are still here, and a lot of what we do as an organization is on the national level. Mm -hmm. Habiba, can you sort of explain how Ramadan is is part of being Muslim? Yes, I'm just adding to what uh, Maha and Yassin have said, that... um, it really is a, a very special time because it is a time of reflection, and it is a renewal, and it is, um, it's a time of, uh, like, rejuvenation. It's a time of cleansing and, um, and, and rebuilding ourselves for this, um, during this whole month. So it's um, spiritually, um, within, and then there's increased fellowship, and then um, it's not just about you know, um, abstaining from food and water and drink and so on. It's, you know, that's like a discipline. But on the other hand, it's also enhancing and growing in our spirituality and our fellowship and in these ways. Some people compare it like it's a month of training for the rest of the year. You know, it's kind of like a, a boot camp. And then and each year, you know, you are going through this process and um, and then it sustains you for the rest of the year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah Yasin, can you react to that? I mean, is that, do you feel like really good when, when Ramadan is, is over because you've been able to, to sort of reset and reflect for a while? Uh, it's actually other way around. Like mm-hmm. when your Ramadan is over, um, you feel kind of... Um, um, sad. sad sad and like left behind because um, um over the month um your stomach becomes smaller and you um get to used to eat more um, more responsibly like because you have a f- uh, time frame of like 6 hours total you can eat and drink you can't eat everything and uh, drink everything but you have to eat responsibly to cover the all day so um after Ramadan, you think like it's my experience. Um, I can't go back to this my eating regime. Like it, my routines has to change. That's was the 
purpose of Ramadan, like my eating, my uh, school schedule, work schedule has to have some. Um, these these need to need to be changed too. Mm-hmm. Why fast? Why is fasting an element? It Ramadan? breaks your routine, um, and and that's that's an amazing. I'm fascinated with the with the mystical aspect of Ramadan because it breaks the normalcy, and it renders what's permissible, lawful, normal, everyday, um, unavailable. We restrain from food and water, which is very basic. Food and water, you know, oh, in addition to smoking and other indulgences. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. But, but because it's food and water, which are very basic necessities, it drives one's mind into questioning what it means, what, what, what survival means, what does food mean, what does living mean and needs. Do I need food and water? If I don't need food and water to survive for 16, 17, sometimes 18, in Scandinavia it's 22 hours that they fast, then what does one need? In, and more important than this, sort of invites us to question where things come from, the sources of everything. So you are in constant dialogue of where you come from, where you're going, what you perceive to be your basic necessities, their significance, where they come from. And it, you know, it threads everything to the one creator, to God. So that's why fasting, I mean, the fasting part is a tool for reflection and self-awareness and reorientation to God. Mm-hmm. The focus is not on food and water, uh, but it right. is amazing that we live without food and water for <laughs> for many, many, for yeah, very and, long days. And you're not supposed to like, um, um, like abstain from like your everyday tasks, like you, work, you, work or school. You, you like you can slow down. But it's not necessary. Even uh, it's not um, recommended to um, leave uh, everything, but just pray. This is not the the point. The point is just do everything what what you're doing, but um, without food or drink, and um, you will see what's go- what's what's going to happen. Because before Ramadan, you you might think like um, without eating, I can't do this. But in Ramadan, you realize that, especially after first week or so, um, you can do actually like uh, you can do like everyday tasks without no uh, problem. Even more. Even more. And don't forget sleep. Sleep is interrupted. Yes, it's it's the hardest part for me. (laughs) Why is your sleep? Because that's when you eat. You have to stay up. Yeah, um, you don't have to stay up, but you have to like uh, get up very early in the night, like. 4, 5, 4.30 or 5 um, and eat and you go, if you can, you go back to sleep and your sleep is interrupted. So it's the hardest part for me to be honest. So for many of us uh, the, day, the day seems normal, but starting sunset we're in the mosque we, we break fast together, we eat a communal meal. Here in Bloomington we do this Every night? Every single night Every single night. Every single night. Apparently this has been the tradition before I was born, this is this is what they've been doing every single night of Ramadan. So there is there is a collective breaking of fast together, and then prayers, then more prayers, then a short break, and for the last ten days of Ramadan at 2:45 a.m., more prayers, and then food, your last meal, at around four in the morning, your breakfast. And then more prayers. So people, so so it is. Um, it actually changes your sense of. It changes a lot. The first time I did this in, in when I was new in Bloomington, I remember I had to sneak out to do something, and driving seemed weird. <laughs> when you I mean we've, some of us observe etiquette, which is which is staying in. in it's just like a spiritual retreat for the last ten days because they're very potent spiritually and mystically. They're the most potent. The whole cosmos, the, it's angelic. I mean, the whole Ramadan is, 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 is set 
is a st- like a studio here. You have you have all your equipment set. It is set differently, cosmically, angelically. You know, no dark forces. Satan is um, restrained and so forth. So so we, the, the last 10 days are even a lot more potent. And there's one particular night which remains to be unknown, which night of the last uh, 10 days are perce- is, is perceived Quranically, is presented to be worth almost th- 1,000 nights, 80, almost 84 years of, of constant worship. So this is this is an so you're you're like tippy toeing around. You everybody wants to achieve. Everybody wants to attain, but but we don't know when it is, and you will not know. So you have to do your best. So can you explain that to me a little bit more? I'm not sure I got all that about the the one special night. Laylatul uh, Qadr. It's um, it's um, can be trans- translated as um, the precious night, and uh, we believe that the. Um, the Quran was sent down to the um, the actual earth on this day as a whole, and then um, was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad um, piecemeal. So um, this night is um, taken to be the the um, pinnacle of existence. So you, um, if you like, pray all night, you are very close to God and. Um, there is nothing between you and your creator. So, um, b- but we don't actually know what night is this. So um, it's like within the ten days of Ramadan. So you are supposed to um, watch out, watch out, and uh, try to um, um, enhance your time with more precious things mm-hmm. instead of mundane. Um, um, obligations or things like that. Mm-hmm. It's called the night of power. Okay. Now, Habiba, do, do you have a communal breaking of the fast where you where you are? Um, yes, most mosques do. Most communities around the country, around the world, do this. It's a traditional thing. And I would like to add uh, where a lot of what has just been described is kind of on the personal level, but even it was, <clears throat> I'd like to expand we talked about the um, the community coming together for the dinner, the extra prayers, and so on. This also is a time of increased fellowship, increased charity. So it's a matter of that we are thankful, we become more aware of what we have received as blessings from God, so that then we want to also increase um, our fellowship and our charity for others, showing our thankfulness to others. So all of these are enhanced, especially during this month of Ramadan. We had a story in our paper last week, I believe, about some young people in town that were volunteering because it was the last 10 days of Ramadan. Oh, yes, you will find there are many different things. Many communities have um, um, different kinds of outreach, not just for the Muslim community, but for the, the, the larger society. If it's going to be, even here in Indianapolis two nights mm-hmm. ago, um, there was um, feeding the homeless. <clears throat> and so the Muslims had gathered, you know, and made meals that were um, transported. And um, they do this every year and for, um, during the month of Ramadan a couple of times. And so that they're feeding the homeless on the street. So, and there are different, you know, soup kitchens and, and so many things that are in, increased because this is a, a special holy month and with special blessings. So it's not just disciplining ourselves, it's enhancing and then growing and then serving others too as an expression of that. When, isn't it, doesn't it change when Ramadan is observed? You talk about why it changes? Lunar calendar. It's not Gregorian, it's lunar calendar. So we go by the moon and it's like, 11 days earlier in the Gregorian calendar every year. Like it's um, uh, 300, um, uh, 350 days, like the, the lunar calendar, and it goes like 11 days earlier every year throughout the year. So like you have, um, when I was a child, Ramadan was in uh, during, the, during winter, and it's in uh, summer, then it will go back to winter. So it goes on and on. So next year it'll be 11 days earlier than it was this year? Oh, okay. Interesting. 
All right. If you have any questions or comments for us today, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join us at Noon Edition on Twitter. And we're going to take a break today. We're a little bit, little bit early in the program, but we're going to take a break. We hope you'll call us after the break. You're listening to Noon Edition. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with Sarah Whitmire, our News Bureau Chief for WFIU and WTIU. We're talking today with members of the Indiana Muslim community. Uh, Ramadan is about to end, and we've talked during the first half of the program about its importance to the Islamic faith, how it is celebrated. We'll continue that conversation with them, and we would like for you to join us at 812 Eight five five zero eight one one or one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. You can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Let me introduce our guests again. Maha Nuraldeen is an activist for the Open Hearted Campaign in Bloomington, and Maha is also a member of the Islamic Center of Bloomington. Habiba Ali is interim secretary general of the Islamic Society of North America in Plainfield. And Yassin Ramazan is the General Secretary of the Islamic Center of Bloomington. And Yassin is also a Ph.D. candidate in philosophy and religion through the Department of Near Eastern Languages and Cultures at IU. So we were talking about uh, a lot of things before the program. You know, I, I just have to ask in this, in this political, politically charged atmosphere that we're in, there's all this debate about you know, from people who know nothing about the Islamic religion, trying to define what the Islamic religion is. I'm sure, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a very peaceful religion. A lot of people would say, some people out there try to per- portray it as something other than a peaceful religion. Yeah. I'd like to get your th- all three of you to respond to that. Yeah, um, I think it's, it's about like human situation. Like you can uh, use all all means for uh, some ends like it's it's a basic uh, human nature like um, you can use any peaceful teaching for any violent ends and it has nothing to do with the teaching itself so um, like Islam is um, is very new to the um, to to America. It's not like 600 years or 500 years or so. It's it's a very different uh, experience from um, the experience of Europe um, in terms of like the the um, uh, Islam and Christianity or Judaism uh, meeting. Um, most of uh, the uh, challenges of uh, Muslims here are uh, that. Um, stem from uh, ignorance, like ignorance of the um, the sources or the um, pillars. But um, to be honest, um, the the I, like the the points of contentions are usually political. I haven't seen anything like okay, Islam uh, teaches that this is unbelievable or unacceptable or stuff like this. This is very theological. And people are not really, especially people in me- media, are not really concerned with these. They are concerned with uh, who um, who does what and what is what 
uh, this country is like supporting that or these people are doing that. So these are basically um, very political and uh, to be uh, like not really religion concentrated questions. Mm-hmm. All right. Maha? We're talking about a number of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so Islam, we have to clarify, the word Islam means living in peace with God. It's, it's an attitude, actually. So it doesn't refer to a, race, a racial group of people, or it, it doesn't refer to an ethnic um, ethnicity or a geographic location. It is an attitude. And you don't need a blood, it's not an inheritance. You don't inherit it. You have to choose it, you have to believe in it. Another aspect I'd like to mention is that there is no clergy in this faith and nothing comes between a person and their creator. So it's up to each individual to interpret the revelation and the revelation, uh, the, the, the revelation is directly from God to human beings there is no, no we, we don't worship prophets. We don't worship churches, mosques, icons. If you come to a mosque, no icon, icons of anything, no pictures of anybody. Angels, we don't worship angels. Like no. We believe in angels and all the prophets and all the, 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 the books that God had sent. But you only worship God, right? Mm-hmm. So in a, in a, a, a modern Western media that perceives Muslims, not Islam, Muslims, the people who have agency, to be violent, are they talking about political grievances? Are they talking about colonialism? Are they talking about unresolved conflicts? Are they talking about injustices? What, what is being discussed? And, and because there is an atmosphere of generalizing and sensationalizing and news bites and ignorance, then things become jumbled up and Islam is it gets talked about as though it's, a, it's objectified, you know, and Muslims are confused with people with, a, you know, perhaps a cause or none, I don't know or young people who have uh, decided to take it upon their hand, you know, themselves to correct what they perceive is wrong, since there is injustice in courts or in governments and so forth. So we're not discussing, you know, I, I prefer to, dis- to be specific. We're not discussing what is really going on. So we wanted this, we, the, 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 the underlying question is, are, Mus- are all Muslims terrorists? Are all Christians terrorists? Are all Buddhists anything? Is are all women anything? Are all men anything? And if 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 we are, then let's have a discussion. Uh, and you know, it might turn it might turn very interesting. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, it it might be an interesting discussion. Mm-hmm. But the violence and the peace, I would you know, the peace part is too simplistic to address. What is peace? What is violence? What is just? We can't discuss violence and peace without asking what is justice? What is dignity? What has been stripped out of people? Mm-hmm. And, and how do you respect somebody you don't know or you, that has somebody who's been demonized in, in the media or in your own, you know, imagination? How am I going to respect somebody uh, whom I objectify or, or demonize? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you met my question with a lot of really, really good questions. Um, I want to ask, how, how does the Quran fit in to the religion? Uh, the Quran is at the center of Islam, so it's, mm-hmm. um, it's slightly different than the notion of Bible. Um, we, um, we are taught that um, the Quran was revealed word by word by God. And um, we, uh, it's not created, and um, we read it um, to um, to connect with God. Like it's not only about like learning what is out there. This is a very scholarly thing. You can also do that, and I am doing it uh, professionally um, for my living. But um, it's it's about changing the um, the outcome because. 
Uh, everything else is different in terms of its ontological status. Like everything else is created just like us, the uh, this um, our uh, food and uh, like trees, cars, everything else is created. But the Quran um, for us is a different, um, has a different status. It uh, opens us the um, doors um, to see the world differently. So um, if someone wants, want, wants to change their life, uh, it's the way to uh, read it to speak with God. It's not just a text to codify and like interpret it and uh, all these uh, scholarly stuff. So um, if, if, if I say like, if you want to find something um, specific for your ends, the Quran is open to that, just like any text. It's a, um, it's a hermeneutical um, principle. Like you can, um, if you push it, push any text hard enough, you can find um, evidences for your attitude. So if you find to be violent, you can find um, verses in Bible, in Quran, anywhere. So Quran is not an exception. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, if I could just sure. add what they have said is, is um, you know, true. I'd just like to add that the, the Quran is, the Holy Quran is the scripture that is the basic and gives us our principles. And it, um, those are, first of all, the preservation of life and human dignity and um, preservation of religion. I mean, all religion, not just Islam. The preservation of the mind, which is um, our intellectual capacity, the preservation of uh, family and social welfare, so, uh, preservation of property. And these are like the basic principles, and I think they are really common to all of the major faith traditions. So this is not something different. It's just um, the, these are common values that all people share. And these are obviously then based and coming from what we are taught in the Quran. Maha, when you were speaking earlier, you talked about no clergy and just having a direct connection. Is it fair then to say that um, that Ramadan is more of an individual experience and maybe more than a community ex experience? Well, it's 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 or also no? actually the month of Quran, and Quran is revelation. It's it's life. What you understand of it, it's not a, a, it's not a dead text or a bookish thing. It's a revelation that you have to understand. You have to live in your heart. You have to engage in. You have to think, rethink. Some of it might might you know might be revealed to you at one point. Some of it might be revealed uh, later. So this engagement of uh, the Quran and and I have it might be interesting to to mention that the first word re revealed in the Quran is read, the injunction, the command verb of read. So and reading can be understood to be reading letters. It can be understood to be reading nature, reading yourself, reading other people, and you know reading what's going on. It is and. Uh, the unify, the the, the, the the you know the the monotheism, the extreme belief in monotheism, is is the tenant of the faith, one God and unification of all things. So, is it individual or is it community? It's both and more, because all things are unified. All things relate and go back to the same source, and it is your job as an individual to see that, to understand that, to behave in that way. To, to, so is there a, 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 a is your hunger uh, separate from somebody else's hunger? Is your suffering separate from somebody else's suffering? Is your dignity more important than somebody else's dignity? No. So the more you're engaging in these meanings, the more you find uh, some uh, walls to collapse, and, to, and 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 the more interconnections are are revealed to you, and you, that you'll need to live and act on. 
If you have questions or comments, want to join our conversation today, you can give us a call at 812-855-0811 here in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. And you can also join us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Uh, Maha, you said you didn't didn't at all mind tough questions. I hope you don't mind kind of dumb questions, too. I'd like to... Go for it. <laughs> okay, I, kind of, <laughs> I, I'd like for you to... to just sort of explain to us, you know, the language using Islam versus using Muslims versus Islamic. Mm-hmm. Are there? Can you sort of give us a, a primer in in how, you know, like the media uses the language in maybe an imprecise or wrong way? Sure. Mm-hmm. And this is not a dumb question at all. So Muslim <laughs> is a person who is engaged in a verb and an attitude of submission, surrendering. To whom? To only to God, not to impulses, not to temptations, not to peer pressure, not to the boss, not you know to other powers. The only reality. Islam is an attitude and a belief, and it requires sound mind uh, to take a position. You're taking a position. You're saying there is no reality but God, the one God. You're, say, you're saying to yourself, and when you say to yourself, it, you're saying to the world as well. You're carrying yourself. It's a posture and an attitude. So Islam is an attitude. Now, uh, Islamic is supposed to be law. We're talking about law. So I will not refer to a, pers- to a person as Islamic because a person does not, you know, a person is not law. A person is a person. Yeah. I am not Islamic. I've, I was asked this in Paris once, actually. Some, a, a lady stared at me and asked me if I was Islamic. So I always think it's a trick question. And I'm like, uh, no. Even when I'm asked if, Mus- if I'm a Muslim, I say I try. Because it is a path. It's, 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 an, it's a, a live verb. But Islamic is about law. Yeah, Islamic mm-hmm. is a very modern um, use of the uh, the things like we like we we don't use like this is Islamic. This is not in in our own context. Like um, let's say we we say Islamic countries. It doesn't mean these countries are uh, ruled by Islamic law or like the whole population is Muslim. It is like said that these countries are European, these countries are Islamic. So it's a... It's a um, confusing term. It's a confusing mm-hmm. and like an outsider term. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it, I'm not okay. totally opposed to that, but like when we say um, uh, Islamic philosophy, it means the philosophers who lived in the, the areas where Muslim populations were the majority. So, um, but Muslim and Islam are very genuine terms, m- more genuine terms. Um, and um, yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate the I appreciate the <laughs> education. I, yeah. I really do. And we have two calls now. We're going to go to Greg from Bloomington first. Greg, uh, I'm interested in uh, the speaker's understanding of uh, textual scholarship and the Quran. Uh, are there different schools of thought about the genesis of the text? Uh, I understand the legends. Uh, but uh, in the Muslim world, uh, are there approaches to the Quran that that do not uh, come out of the uh, hadith and, and the legends surrounding the, the text? Thank you. There is a group, Quran only, the Quranists, yeah. the people who will not accept um, any other sources but the Quran, the the revelation, directly as a source of all injunctions. Um, inclu- and so the what's lawful and what's unlawful is part, is maybe even a, like less than 30%, if you say, yeah. of, of the entire uh, message. And there are people who, uh, in, in response to Greg's question, who will who want who will look at the Quran and the Prophet Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him and the Prophet's sayings and his life and as well as scholars' interpretations. So there are different attitudes. However, these scholars are scholars. 
They are not clergy. They don't have a mandate from God to impose something. So I can believe one scholar. I can consult a scholar or read a scholar, understand what they're saying, and disagree. And it's perfectly fine to go to some other scholars. And it's perfectly fine to engage yourself in ishtihad, which is very, very relevant to the word jihad, that the media presents as a warfare uh, against non-Muslims, which is not the case at all. It, it means struggle, most of it in understanding and most of it in word. But some of it, if you must correct what's wrong and stop bullying or terrorizing the innocent, you, you can do it, you know. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so, so people can also engage in this ishtihad, which is scholarship to understand for themselves and figure out what sources they, they, they will accept and what sources they will not, or whether they choose all of the sources. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, like from the very beginning, uh, people were very careful distinguishing between what was, um, what was Quran, like the parts of the Quran verses, and what was this, um, the saying of the prophet by himself, because we don't think the prophet was um, kind of, uh, he wasn't divine. Like he was also a person with um, with a blessing from God. So um, what he said is important, but it is not. Uh, his his sayings are not the same level as the Quran. He's a messenger. He's a messenger. So mm -hmm. like from the very beginning of the Islamic tradition, um, people were very um, um, very. Um, delicately working on distinguishing between them. Mm -hmm. So like we have texts from like uh, 7th century, which is exact the same, exactly the same text we have today. All right, we're going to have... I would a, like, if I could uh, add oh, yeah, sure. that, mm -hmm. that this is just, um, Islam also, and I know Maha and Yasin have referred to it in different times, that this is, um, it's an action, it's a way of life. And so we, our whole lives need to continue to learn, to study, as she said, to become scholars as best we can, to enhance our understanding. And then that's not enough. The understanding that we acquire then should transform the way we live our lives, how we interact with others, with our behavior, our speech, our etiquette, and so on. So it's very active, and it's a not just belief, but putting that belief into action, and it's a lifetime journey. It's not like we, you know, receive a certain a degree, like a master's degree, and that's the end. We continue our whole lives because as you understand more, then that will open up, as Maha said, that will open up a further understanding the next time we read that passage or those verses. See, so it's, it's, it's continuing, and um, it's for everyone. It's not only for scholars certain people, it's for all of us as to keep learning as much as we can so that we will become better people but because we are, live, you know, putting our, you know, practicing what we preach, you know, putting our faith into action for ourselves and all of those around us. Habiba, I'm going to ask you to, to be the first to answer this question that comes from uh, Martha, who's on the phone. Martha? Hi, yeah, thank you. Um, I guess this is also a kind of hard question. Um, I'm wondering, uh, to what extent has your um, life as Muslims been affected by the rise of um, militant fundamentalism, I guess, for lack of a better term? Uh, have you, do you feel pressure from the fundamentalists to uh, alter the way you the way you practice your faith or to become involved in political action or whatever. And the other part of my question, I understand that you have that no particular clergyman who's like an authority over your uh, congregation, or is there someone in authority who kind of monitors whether you're practicing, uh, uh, whether you're devout enough or whatever? Okay. Habiba? Okay, well, there are a couple of questions. First of all, this um, Islam is a very personal, individual experience, um, it, it, and it's not for someone else to judge. Only God is the judge of who is pious, who is, you know, what our intentions are, how we are, what we are believing, how we are practicing our, our daily lives. And so it's very individualized, and we have said that we 
um, have many wonderful scholars, you know, ancient and, and current day, and we we study them. We we study and we read and we meditate and we contemplate and we discuss things to improve our understanding and so to be a guide for each other also, you know, that you you choose positive friends and because they'll be a positive influence, you on them and they on you. Um, so the other thing about um, the fundamentalists out there, it's not that they are making me change the way I practice, um, it, but it... It, again, it, I want to make sure that I know my faith, that I know what my uh, religion is teaching so that I am better equipped to be a better Muslim, but also to be able to answer questions, to teach others, to be a good example. And so this is my responsibility. And um, it, unfortunately, Many, we, it's like we are all being held responsible for the actions of a few. And so this is, has an effect because this is what we see in media and in politics and in society, and, and like, um, unfortunately. And so it's a matter of educating ourselves, being best examples, speaking out against injustice, no matter who is doing it, this kind of thing. And so it's, um, and then it's becoming more involved. We cannot become less. We have to become more involved in our society. Saying this is what Islam is about. These are, you know, the values of Muslims. And then you are working with your partners and allies on common issues. If it's poverty or hunger or whatever the issue is, we are out there to be. Um, positive contributing members of society and work with um, you know our fellow citizens and our neighbors um, to make a better society for everyone. So Habiba, uh, everything we've been talking about here in the studio has just been about how this is such a peaceful religion. When I was just you know just browsing some news articles quickly, I read before coming in the studio that ex extremists seem to perceive Ramadan completely differently and are even encouraging violence and in, um, I, some of the the folks I'd seen, like there have been just a lot of people killed in, in the name of Ramadan or something. It's very, it's, it's just really confusing to me. So can you explain how we go from this is a very peaceful religion to extremists saying this is the, this is the time to commit violence? Well, again, oh, I, this is a matter of people taking and their, their personal interpretation or understanding, and then we have to question, for what goal? What are they doing? Oftentimes it is for political reasons to gain political power. This, is what, this kind of violence is just totally opposite of what all of us know um, Islam to be. Islam does not teach this. It teaches the opposite. It teaches mercy and compassion. And so Muslims everywhere, you know, from the individual person to organizations like here at the Islamic Society and every community mosque, we're all speaking out and saying this is not Islam. But, you know, these few people, the small, small percentage of Muslims are, are just using this um, to their ad, um, supposed advantage for whatever perverted you know, cause they have, um, justifying things. Even if you have a, a, cause, a just cause, or maybe there's some social injustice, there are proper ways to address it. And all of this violence and so on is not what Islam teaches us to do. This is, you know, and these are not the proper means to bring about positive changes. Yassine, look like you might want to answer. Um, it's like... Um, as I mentioned earlier, it's about like if you have a nail, uh, you tend to see everything as a um, hammer. So it's uh, if you have a, a social problem or political problem, you you tend to see everything, um, every means to um, to see the the solution. So like um, you 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 go ahead and see okay this this text will will help me to destroy this building or kill this person because there's injustice or there is this and there's that so um, we can't stop that because because like it's 1.5 billion Muslims in the earth so, like you can't contain everyone or you can't uh, expect 
everyone to believe the same thing the same way um, because it's it's about contingencies like life has contingencies and uh, just like a Christian in um, in let's say in England and a Christian in um, desert of Africa are have different uh, interpretations of of their faith Muslims have this too so like uh, I don't think we can make a comment um, comment like to save the whole Muslims and uh, they save the picture because it's it's not it would be very artificial it's it, it would be not real mm -hmm. Maha we have one more minute so I'd like for you to sort of wrap up with you know any point that you feel like you'd like to make that you haven't gotten to or, or perhaps you know you can address uh, Ramadan and again what what it means to you I um, would like to invite people, actually, to think and, and to experience this kind of reflection for themselves, where things come from, what they perceive to be their own, their own um, addictions and necessities, and connections, and to make connections. Ramadan is the month of reflection and the month of Qur'an, the revelation, and the Qur'an has been sent mercy to all humankind and to all creation, including nature. So, the, I mean, um, I have to, to, to extend this invitation to, to all listeners, to everybody, to, to, to taste it for themselves. And we're at the end of Ramadan here, but next year, which may be around May, it's May, 15, yeah. May 15th, we invite people to come break fa to fast and to think and to reflect and to make connections between their human experience and, and other humanity and other phenomena and everything and God, to reflect on God, to come break fast and have a discussion. It's all about a, an open discussion. All right, I wanna thank all of our three guests, uh, Mahan Nur al-Din, Habiba Ali, and Yasin Ramazan for joining us today. It's been a great conversation. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much Thank for being here. Thank you very here. much. Uh -huh. And for producer Angelo Batista, engineer Mike Pashkash, and Sarah Whitmire, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu and Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in Southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.